The Great Last Supper, and Two New Feasts by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor. The excitement of God's feasts, found in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, has come and gone for this year. God's people experienced the fresh knowledge of God, served at each one, and stored it as food for thought in their memory bank, so that it could begin to shape and mold their lives. Others celebrated these feasts as rituals only, while even more totally ignored the feasts altogether. Those that attended Father's meals, seeking His wisdom, had been further enlightened, their senses opened to the supernatural, and realized much is going on there. To the rest of mankind, things seem status quo. The enlightened understand this planet is controlled from two separate kingdoms through two different masters, resulting in two conflicting sets of law. Depending on which master they chose, two different species of man emerged with two completely different sources of knowledge to guide them. Those with no love for truth remain the same, descendants of Adam. The Adamic race is guided by the knowledge Eve chose and as a species was changed or altered by the inbreeding of angels as revealed in the sixth chapter of Genesis. These are in bondage, entangled hopelessly with the world, wrapped in its thinking, its systems, and unfortunately, its master. As truth is revealed, there is a definite marking taking place. God's angels note who love and choose God's truth and seek His end-time knowledge, separating them from those who remain unchanged and in the grip of the enemy. How do they differ? What is the evidence being gathered to determine ownership? God's angels look for the born again, those with hearts and minds open to the Son of God, washed by the word, that are kingdom-minded and obedient to the laws written there by God. They look for the humble and meek, the unpretentious, modest ones, glowing with a soft lightness about them, reflecting the Spirit of the Lord that dwells on the inside. God's blood-covenant children are visibly vessels of light, vessels of honor, a people mirroring the will of God in their daily lives. God, the angels, and they themselves see also their mistakes and shortcomings. But the difference in the chosen is their remorse at failing the Father. They also hate letting down the family of God. It is their will to change. They do not defend or hang on to their old ways, hindering their maturing and therefore their usefulness to the Lord as the body of Christ. They love and regard all humanity as precious. They want to see mankind jubilee, set free of the enemy's influence, restored and renewed to perfection, and solid citizens of the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, much of mankind is the direct opposite and chooses to remain that way. So busy with their own life, they care little about people outside their circle of family and friends. They close their eyes to the world's problems and really don't care that people are assassinating one another and destroying the planet. 
unless it affects them. The intervention of God is our only hope. It is frightening, however, to see how much of mankind has been wrongly trained by the enemy to perceive God. There are, in fact, many different gods being served by man. Different religions teaching conflicting and confusing doctrines are offered by the world and their natures have been altered so badly that many do not even believe in him at all. These become their own God. They are self-reliant, self-sufficient, self-made, and proud of it. Humanity has been so duped by the enemy through the world's knowledge that this society we live in is dangerous, full of corruption, sickness, poverty, and sin, in direct opposition to God and His kingdom. Who is who has become quite evident. You see, we are judged by the inward condition of our spirit, soul, heart, and mind by God who created us, but it is our outward actions, appearance, emotions, etc., that we are gathered and marked for harvest by created beings. For this reason, the enemy has tried with everything in him to cause worldly desires to shape mankind's natures and characters, molding them into his image, so they will be rejected by God. The enemy actually mentally transmits unclean thoughts into the minds of man, hoping to make them unacceptable. This is why the Word of God advises us to take captive our thoughts, guard what is in our hearts. Because mankind has not understood the enemy's tactics or perceived his plans for our destruction, Satan's influence from Adam and Eve until now has resulted in mankind committing heinous crimes and living outrageously wicked lifestyles. All are in opposition, and as contrary to God's laws as Satan's nature is hostile to the nature of God, producing increasingly rebellious, lawless generations of people. Again, all of this is so far from the perfection man was created for. Because of the enemy's hold on the minds of humanity, they continue sinning, resulting in even further corruption. In this degenerate condition, man has produced the world systems and lifestyle we live in today. We must open our eyes of discernment and understand the sins of humanity, guided by the knowledge of Satan, are the real reason sickness, sorrow, pain, and death plague the existence of all on the planet today. There is a huge change coming, however, as the end-time knowledge of God begins to cover the earth, acting as a mighty sword, dividing those that belong to Him from those who are the property of the enemy. Through God's prophets and the written word, man has been warned over and over to separate from the world, her knowledge, her governments, financial systems, and churches. Come out! Don't touch the unclean thing! Hear and obey my voice, adhere to my law, has echoed over the centuries to mankind because of God's love, patience, and long-suffering where his children are concerned. A thousand years is his day to the Lord, so from Christ's victory on the cross it has been two thousand years, or two days. 
now in the dawning of the third, that God's servants, through love for humanity, have had to enter into his suffering and wait patiently with him. All the while, they themselves have experienced and endured the terrible things that affect this world. Why? So each generation could make their choice to serve him. They to this day go through sickness, pain, sorrow, and death, along with those that cause it and those that perpetuate it. But that suffering is about to end. Mankind has reached a height of evil that threatens their very existence. Rather than coming together and unitedly fighting against the enemy that is the root of all of our problems and grief, they come against each other, threatening even nuclear world war. There is sufficient nuclear power in the world today to destroy mankind twice over. So God must intervene to save his creation. True to his word, He will destroy those destroying the earth. He will finally annihilate, utterly ruin, make non-existent those that support the knowledge of Satan and his evil schemes. God has his own plan for the restoration of his kingdom that cannot be hindered or stopped by the enemy or the body of people he directs. You can visually see who they are. The children of Satan talk crude and ugly, profane God's name, and live according to his evil standards. Some understand well what they are doing. They choose to be lawless and embrace a raucous lifestyle full of sin and death. Others innocently label themselves as ones marked for death. For instance, they naively accept as trendy the world's clothing designs inspired by the enemy, skull and crossbones, hearts, Crosses, wings, etc. adorn nearly everything. Think about this. The skull houses our mind. The marrow within our bones make the stem cells that help determine our DNA. Our blood comes from our bone marrow. On their personal clothing, man proudly advertises to the supernatural through the skull and the cross bones that his mind is held captive by Satan and he is the fruit or result of the cross species. The same idea is conveyed by those wearing the wings of angels. Why the cross, you may ask? Satan has made the attempt to prove Christ did not really die, but had children forming a noble family whose descendants are still in existence today, carrying out his plans for humanity. He calls them the sacred seed. The cross is to remind those that believe that lie who really is in control. Yet for others, Satan spread the lie that Christ died on the cross with no resurrection. This would mean Satan defeated the word of God. Either lie. Who wants to wear the cross in remembrance? Besides, they were a pagan symbol long before the sacrifice of Christ. On and on man makes the distinction easy. They are immodest, immoral, corrupted, and therefore completely out of order in harmony with God's laws, and unfortunately in the exact condition Satan wants them in. He will accuse these very ones he has misled before God, knowing full well the verdict. They will be found guilty of breaking God's law based on their personal choices 
and sentenced to certain death. Things are so very busy in the supernatural, yet much of the world is not even aware. The Word tells us the Lord comes as a thief in the night, when they least expect. As Jesus rose from death on the cross on the third day in the natural, it gives us a picture of the supernatural event happening now. He rises on the morning of the Lord's third day through His body as judge. Silently, quietly, He sends forth the reapers, the angels who pass over the earth, labeling, categorizing, setting apart the wheat from the tares, sheep from the sheep, before the final destruction. Would it not be wise to inspect our hearts and minds to see what the Lord sees? Should we not look carefully at who we represent in our dress, our morals, our lifestyle, so we will not be found guilty by association by the angels and gathered to the wrong side? Thankfully, the Lord looks on the inside at the final judgment. But let's be honest. What will he find in hearts and minds that refuse truth and won't change? You see, it is all about which knowledge we desire. Just as in the beginning, which will we choose? Satan and his unrighteous bride, Leviathan, known also as Babylon, who teaches the world's wisdom. Or Christ and his bride, Wisdom, Zion, New Jerusalem, who teaches the knowledge of God? Which are selected in the garden of your heart? Both are there. It's up to us to decide. Who will govern man? Satan's behemoth spirit through the beast? Or Jesus through his priests? Will we open our ears to the false prophet? Or truth? Will we love and defend the word of God? Or the knowledge of the world? Will we remain status quo or change? God had the plan for restoration of his creation before he rested. Can we repent for who we were and what we did as the descendants of Adam and enter that plan and therefore enter his rest? If so, from that point on, our works will reflect his plan and bring into reality his blueprint for our restoration. We will be born again through God's word, as Adam and Eve were born again through Satan's. Again, this was pictured by a natural event. Christ died and rose in victory over the enemy to life. So will those that truly enter the rest of God. As they begin to understand through his knowledge the utter hopelessness of the future of Adam's race and the world they live in, they will repent for the part they played in building it die to all their sins by being baptized into Christ's death and be born again new creatures that rise to new life through his resurrection. As the Father breathes life into the newly created Adam, the new creature receives the breath to live from the Holy Spirit, is given a new nature, and gifted to live in the kingdom as well. They then enter into the blood covenant with God at communion and thus become flesh of his flesh, because they chose the message of God. The word also called Jesus. No longer naked and exposed to this world as were Adam and Eve, they clothed themselves with him, 
They separated from the former race by binding themselves to God in his kingdom, making them bone of his bone. This was all foreshadowed by what is known as the Last Supper, when Jesus handed the disciples the bread, saying, Eat, this is my body. Jesus was saying, He, as the word Eve refused, was again giving mankind the opportunity to eat from him. God's knowledge for the beginning of total restoration. He told them the wine they shared was his blood, so they could become one blood with him. Blood brothers and sisters, God's true family. If born through God's end-time message, in other words, chose it, ate it, and became it, they would not be the same species as the Adamic race. They would not only be clothed in the flesh of the word of God or his knowledge, but if separated from the world and bound to him, they would have his bones, whose bones were never separated from God. In the Strong's Concordance, the Hebrew Dictionary, number 6106 for bone, you will see it comes from 6105, to bind fast. That is why God did not permit Satan, through man, to break Christ's bones on the cross, so the marrow would remain pure. The blood of those born through him would therefore not have the infusion of angel blood like Adam's children, but be pure like their father, the Word. A true new creature, a new species would be birthed into being. John chapter 6 verse 53 Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. These are the children of God, the ones all creation is waiting for, ones that will establish the new earth all a part of God's glorious plan. In closing, it seems all of God's Leviticus chapter 23 feasts are being offered at one time to man as a giant last supper, so they can be a part of that plan. At the close of this meal, a new feast for God's family. His bride is prepared and ready. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the same time, another great supper has been arranged for those who, like Eve, that did not choose the Lamb, the Word, the knowledge of God. Again, it's all a part of God's plan for the restoration of man and this planet. Let us close with Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 9, showing us the new feast for God's people. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true saints of God. Revelation Chapter 19, verses 17 through 21. The rest 
were cleverly prepared by Satan to be the meal. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, Satan through man's governments, the kings of the earth and their armies, evil spirits through mankind, gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse, Jesus through his body and the white horse of praise, and against his army, the holy angels. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, the voice of the world's churches, who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword, God's knowledge, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. I pray we can all sit down at the Lord's table to feast with him.